Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. A big win for the Teamsters. The UPS contract ratified by an overwhelming margin. Meanwhile, pilots at American Airlines sign on to a four-year deal. And today on the show, the latest from the heat and frost insulators and the steelworkers, USW Local 2911 in the state of West Virginia. Welcome to the Wednesday, August 23rd edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. Mr. Pete Almini will be our first guest on the show today, longtime supporter and sponsor of America's Workforce. Pete serves as executive director of the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Trust website, Mechanical Insulators, LMCT.com. First off, he's going to talk about a new LMCT Initiative Energy Audit and Assurance Quality Program, where they will assist local unions and contractors with energy audits. It's so important. Energy is expensive. Let's be honest here. So why not do everything possible to conserve it, to save it? And you really don't know how much energy you are losing until you do an audit. So we'll talk about that uh, new program. Pete's also going to talk about the uh, Federal Mechanical Insulation Act, which uh, has bipartisan support. We addressed this on the show last month, or it might have been the month before. He's been working on this for years. And uh, energy audits will be a big part of the legislation. It's H.R. 4663, and they're getting more co-sponsors. They started with uh, Linda Sanchez out of California and Randy Weber, Republican, out of Texas. Both sponsored the bill initially, and we'll get an update on where we stand. And it makes a whole lot of sense, too, because there's uh, 350,000-plus federal buildings that could be retooled with mechanical insulation, which will save taxpayers money. Save everybody money. So Pete Almini will be our second guest on the show. Next guest is uh, Mark Glyptus. Mark is president of the Steelworkers. This would be local 2911 out of uh, West Virginia. And he's going to talk about uh, the Commerce Department's decision to institute new tariffs on dumped tin and chromium-coated shield products from where else but China. There's a couple of other countries as well. Tom Conway, who heads the uh, Steelworkers, is quoted as saying, foreign dumping into the U.S. market has already cost a significant number of good community-supporting jobs. The preliminary anti-dumping duties that Commerce announced are a step in the right direction towards stabilizing our market, restoring fair prices, and protecting workers. Come on now. Apparently, um, the steelworkers in Cleveland Cliffs filed a countervailing duty petition against China, as well as anti-dumping petitions against China and seven other countries. This was back in January. Now, this announcement includes preliminary anti-dumping duties of 100 
and 22.52% for Chinese goods, as well as smaller margins for Canada and Germany. Final ruling should come down in January of 2024, which is pretty much right around the corner. But this is affecting workers all through the United States of America, and it's been going on far too long, far too long. We are all about free trade, but we want fair trade. That's the important part of it. So Mark Glyptus, president of USW 2911, will be our second guest on the show. Now, a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by the good folks at Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at BoydWatterson.com. A huge win. A huge win for the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. Yesterday, they voted by an overwhelming 86.3% margin to ratify the most historic collective bargaining agreement in the history of the United Parcel Service. How about that? The five-year contract protects and rewards more than 340,000 UPS Teamsters nationwide, raising wages for full as well as part-time workers. I'll get to that in a minute creating more full-time jobs and securing important workplace protections, including air conditioning in those trucks. The agreement passed by the highest vote for a contract in the history of the Teamsters at UPS. All supplemental agreements were ratified as well, except, except for one, local 769 LAI supplement, which covers 174 members in Florida. That was it. The National Master Agreement will go into effect as soon as this supplement is renegotiated and ratified. The UPS Teamsters National Negotiating Committee will immediately meet with the company to work to resolve any outstanding issues with the supplement, and upon resolution, the adjusted supplement would be voted on by respective UPS Teamsters in person in their area. There are, by the way, 44 supplements to the National Master Agreement. Sean O'Brien is the general president of the Teamsters, and this is what he said. Our members just ratified the most lucrative agreement the Teamsters have ever negotiated at UPS. This contract will improve the lives of hundreds of thousands of workers. Teamsters have set a new standard and raised the bar for pay, for benefits, and working conditions in the package delivery industry. This is the template for how workers should be paid and protected nationwide. And non-union companies like Amazon better pay attention. Way to go, Sean. Fred Zuckerman, General Secretary Treasurer, said this is the richest national contract I've seen in my 40 years plus representing the Teamsters at UPS. There are more gains in this contract than any other UPS agreement and with no givebacks to the company. But the hard work doesn't end here. We will continue to fight like hell to enforce this contract and make sure UPS lives up to every word of it over the next five years. I know they will do that. (laughs) Teamsters are a tough bunch. Let's be honest here. Here's some of the uh, highlights. Again, this is a five-year deal. Wage increases. Existing full and part-time as Teamsters will get $2.75 more per hour this year. Over the length of the contract, those wage increases will total $7.50 per hour. 
Existing part-timers, they'll be raised to no less than $21 per hour, and that's immediate. Part-time seniority workers earning more under a market rate adjustment will still receive all new general wage increases. General wage increases for part-time workers will be double the amount obtained in the previous contract, and existing part-time workers will receive a 48% average total wage increase over the next five years. Part-timers got to be happy about that. Wage increases for full-timers will keep UPS Teamsters the highest paid delivery drivers in the nation, improving their average top rate. This is the average top rate, 49 bucks per hour. Current UPS Teamsters working part-time will receive longevity wage increases of up to a buck 50 per hour. New part-time hires start at $21 per hour, then they advance to 23 Health and safety, vehicle air conditioning, cargo ventilation, UPS will equip in-cab AC in all larger delivery trucks, sprinter vans, and package cards purchased after January 1 of 2024. Two fans, heat exhaust shields, and air induction vents in the cargo components will be retrofitted into all cars. And also, all UPS Teamsters will receive Martin Luther King Day as a full holiday for the first time. For the first time. There's more. And if you go to uh, teamsters.org, you can read more about this contract. And I got to congratulate Sean O'Brien. He uh, he was elected to get this done. Let's be honest here. He uh, He's a rebel. He's a fighter. And he came out on the winning side on this one. No doubt about that. Nice win for the pilots at American Airlines. They approved a a new contract that will raise their pay about 41% over four years. The Allied Pilots Association said that 73% of pilots who took part voted in favor of the four-year contract, which is valued at $9.6 billion. Ed Sisher is the president of the Pilots Association. He said this contract is a big first step toward restoring the wages, the benefits, and work rules that were lost during the past two decades while our profession was under continuous assault. He said pilots deserve to be compensated in line with the tremendous amount of responsibility they take with every flight. American has, by the way, about 15,000 pilots airline unions are enjoying leverage to get big pay raises because well it's pretty simple big boom in travel texas-based american earned 1.3 billion dollars in the second quarter alone pilot unions have been in particularly strong position because of a shortage of pilots. Pilots at American rejected an offer last November. They reached another agreement in late July, which was renegotiated again to match a better deal for pilots at United. And pilots at Delta Airlines also won big pay raises this year. In the meantime, pilots at Southwest, well, they are still in negotiations. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Pete Almini on behalf of the Heat and Frost Insulators. 
This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at afge.org. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Before we get to our, our first guest, Pete Almini, I just want to mention that registered nurses at the Hospitals of Providence, this is in El Paso, Texas, Memorial, Sierra, and East Campuses in El Paso, held an informational picket yesterday to protest the administration's refusal to address RN's deep concerns about patient safety. Why? Because of unsafe staffing and chronic problems with recruitment and retention of nurses. They're a part of the uh, National Nurses United Organizing Committee. Powerful, uh, powerful group there. So just wanted to give them a shout-out in El Paso, Texas. Tough state for uh, union activity. And speaking of nurses... Boy, if you missed yesterday's show, go to uh, awfpodcast.com. Carol Tansy was on with the, uh, well, she's on strike with 1,700 workers at the Robert Wood Hospital there in East Providence, New Jersey. And uh, they've been on strike since August 4th, and she just let loose on the working conditions there. But uh, hats off to all those nurses fighting to get a contract, trying to bust the union. That's exactly what they're doing. Speaking of Jersey, let's go to line number one. Welcome my Jersey guy, Pete Almini, on behalf of the Heat and Frost Insulators. How we doing, Mr. Pete? Hey, how you doing today? <laughs> All right, keeping busy here. Keeping busy. Yeah, Pete, you got you to gotta check out that interview yesterday with Carol. I mean, she was off the charts. She was kind of quiet at first, and she said, you know, nobody listens to our concerns. I said, Carol... That's what this show's all about. I want you to tell me. And boy, did she explode. So do check that out. And I'll tell you, I salute all the nurses. That's a tough job, a really tough job. 
and uh, they're just being abused in so many different ways. And again, they're they're trying to get a decent contract there, and it's not easy. But let's talk about what you are doing with the heat and frost insulators, mechanical insulators, LMCT.com. And I understand that uh, there's a new program that the Labor Management Trust is engaged in dealing with energy audits. Talk to me about this, Pete. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, Flash. Um, you and I have talked about uh, over the last several years about uh, mechanical insulation energy audits. And what that does, that actually offers uh, concrete, written, engineered proof and data so that we can evaluate how much energy is being lost, how much is it costing, and also the effects on the environment when something is not properly insulated. And, and what it does, it validates all the things that we talk about as far as energy efficiency when it comes to insulation. And it goes beyond just somebody saying, hey, you have to, you have to put insulation on these pipes or the boiler or this ductwork. Uh, because the next question is, well, well why? And why am I going to spend money on investing in hiring a contractor, buying the insulation, having union labor to install it correctly? Why do I have to spend all of this money to properly insulate my system? And it's a legitimate question. And it's a question that has to be answered. And there's a way of doing that, and that is performing what is called a mechanical insulation energy audit, where the system is actually looked at, inspected, and we're able to evaluate the lack of insulation and also be able to figure out the rate of return. The rate of return, meaning if you were to spend X amount of dollars in insulating this, you'll make that money back in energy savings in X amount of months or X amount of years. And usually the return on investment by installing mechanical insulation is anywhere between uh, six months to two years. After that, it's all savings. And it can be a small project within, within a facility or a building, or it could be a huge complex. Um, just because the zero is attached to it, the, the rate of return is still within six months to two years. And we've been advocating this, gosh, for 30 years. And the, the programs and the engineering software have been out for, again, for a long time, for 30 years. The problem is, is trying to motivate the building owner, the client, the, uh, the building facility management to be able to invest money that they should in this. And we've, uh, even our federal legislation that we're working on, the Federal Mechanical Insulation Act, what that does is requires that an energy order to be performed every four years. That's already, that's already been a law since uh, 2007, uh, I have to be corrected, a, fed, a energy order to be performed in every federal building. That's the current law. What, the, what our legislation is going to be able to do is be able to emphasize and be able to include mechanical insulation on that. So 
We've been talking about having other entities do the actual audit. Well, the Insulators LMCT, in conjunction with the with the Insulators International, is we have developed the actual team to be able to go out and to be able to perform an energy audit for the mechanical insulation. So if anybody uh, is interested and we're able to get them at least to raise their eyebrows, we're going to be able to offer them firsthand an opportunity for someone to experience uh, the mechanical insulation energy audit. And so they can actually see in their facility, we can be able to go in there, inspect their system, or it could be just part of the system, and to be able to present data to them that's going to make them realize that it's going to be worthwhile for their investment to be able to insulate their, their systems properly, and also to develop a maintenance program. And that's probably the key, is that uh, in the mechanical insulation has to be maintained. There's, there's going to be constant uh, renovations or, or repairs made to a mechanical system. And, you know, the pipe leaks, the, the units have to be replaced, the pipes are rusted, and mechanics will go in there and be able to uh, switch out the mechanical systems, and many times the insulation is not, is not installed, it's not replaced, or it's not installed properly. So now the, now the mechanical insulation is, is going to be uh, compromised. Studies have shown that... Uh, 10 to 30% of insulation is missing or damaged in all of our buildings. And what that is doing, it is this increasing your utility bill, it will waste in energy, and the longer that that furnace or that air conditioning system has to work to be able to either make the room cold or make it warm, uh, we're burning fuel and we're releasing unnecessary uh, carbon emissions into the atmosphere. And it's relatively low-hanging fruit. I mean, it's one of the, the most cost-effective ways to be able to save money. Um, but people just don't realize it. And I, when I say people, I, I don't mean the average Joe uh, or the average Mary. I'm talking about architects and professionals and people who should know that, mm-hmm. uh, including our Department of Energy. I mean, there's so much emphasis and talk about new technologies, electric vehicles and solar and wind generation. And all of these technologies are great and wonderful. And that's going to blaze a path for our future. Uh, and I, I don't want to stop that, but we have to have some pragmatic thinking and let's look at some of the stuff that we have right now. Um, and that, that is mechanical insulation and it, it's low hanging fruit. It's relatively inexpensive to be able to, make our systems, mechanical systems, efficient. The, the uh, advantages of it can be proven if a mechanical insulation energy audit is performed. And there's many ways of doing it. And right now, the uh, insulators, LMCT, we're going to be offering that service uh, to anyone who would like it. And we're excited for that because we're, we're actually putting our – um, efforts and resources and trying to validate what we've been talking about for so many years. 
Well, Pete, I'm glad that you got this program uh, together. I know you and I have been talking about this and the importance. You're very passionate about this issue. We're talking about saving money and, in some cases, taxpayers. In many cases, taxpayers' money. Now, you indicated you have a team in place to do these energy audits. Well, I'm just wondering, just one team? Are you going to grow that team? How is this going to work? And, I guess more importantly, to our audience, how do they get in touch with this team? Go ahead. Well, that's a great question. And yes, we have we have two individuals that I sought after. Uh, I believe they are they are two of the best in the country um, to be able to do this type of work. One has tremendous amount of experience in doing this, and they're going to be our team. I call them our lead. Um, most of the work is going to be done going into a facility and extracting uh, the information and the data that's needed through an inspection and, and, and sitting down with the building owner uh, and doing the research on the type of fuel that they use, uh, the cost of the fuel, hours of operation. It's, the data is endless. And very easily what we're able to do is, because we're talking about the entire country, Uh, Two people can't cover the entire country. But what we can do is reach out to our individual locals around the country and or contractors around the country, and we can utilize uh, those people as well to be able to help us get us the data, the data that we need to present this information. So definitely we have a limited team, but definitely it has uh, the built-in commodity of expanding it uh, any time that we would need it. Um, and that's what we, we've been training people for the longest time um, on energy audits. Uh, myself, for example, the first, the first class I went to to become a certified energy appraiser was in the year 2001. And we've been training people all around the country ever since then. And what we're going to be able to do is utilize the uh, the high skill training that we have given our people throughout the country, and then we can be able to utilize them. And if it's a if it's a plant, let's say in uh, Arizona, um, we can we can send our team down to Arizona, or be able to ask our folks in Arizona, uh, the local down there, to be able to uh, go to that plant, get the data, send it back, and we can analyze it, and then be able to turn around and present it to the owner in Arizona. And that's the, and that's really the key part of, of doing all of this is once you get the data and you have to present it in a way that's going to be understood. And there, there's a lot of different levels that go into an energy audit. Uh, you can get, if, if it's going to be, if you're talking about saving energy for cost reasons, well, you can emphasize the amount of money that can be saved, especially if you're sitting down with a board of directors of a facility and you're talking to a bunch of accountants. You know, they need to know how much money they're going to be able to save, how much they're going to invest, what's the return on investment. They need to know those dollars and cents. Sure. If you're sitting down with a, with a, um, a group of engineers, well, they don't want to know the details about how much energy is actually being saved. And you really have to uh, narrow down the engineering aspect of it and the numbers. 
to be able to give them the information that they need to know. If you're sitting down with a, a facility and they're concerned about the environment and they want to be able to demonstrate or they want to be able to hear information about how much money, how many, not money, uh, what's going to be the effects of the environment, you know, by insulating this system, that, that heating system is going to work less, for example, and that's going to release less carbon emissions. Well, how much is that going to be? And, and all of these factors, the, the presentation is going to be absolutely crucial and to be able to get to the right audience for them to be able to fully understand uh, the importance of mechanical insulation. And usually when people hear these numbers and they hear this realization, it's a, 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 a jaw-dropping experience and something yeah. that, that we need to emphasize. So should they go to uh, Mechanical Insulators, LMCT? dot com to sign up absolutely okay. uh you you give those address the uh, the website addresses all the time and just go to that just go to our website and uh you can uh access me and just ask a question and uh we'll go to there'll be a page there's a page dedicated on the website for anybody interested in having an energy audit performed and they go to that they fill it out we we do a uh, you know, we we interact with the owner. We want to make sure that this is something that they need, that they want. It's going to be worthwhile for everyone to spend time on this, and then and then off we go. So take advantage of it. Mechanical Insulators LMCT dot com. Again, Mechanical Insulators LMCT dot com. Pete Almini. Executive Director of the Heat and Frost Insulators, LMCT, Labor Management Trust. We'll continue with him and get an update on the Federal Mechanical Insulation Act. Later in the show, we're going to go to West Virginia, check in with Mark Galiptis, president of Steelworkers Local 2911. Back in a few minutes. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrens. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at UAW.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The The United United Steelworkers. Steelworkers. The largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in In the the U.S., US, Canada, Canada, and and the the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. 
From the Golden Gate Bridge to the St. Louis Gateway Arch, the Sears Tower, and just about every building, bridge, and structure in between, our cities and towns wouldn't be the same without iron workers. With over 3,000 contractors employing more than 130,000 highly trained iron workers and 20,000 apprentices, the Iron Workers Union stands ready and able to shape the future of our skylines. Learn more at ironworkers.org. Iron Workers, the sky's the limit. America's workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. Now, back to America's workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, here's what you do. Just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a five-star rating. I like those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this uh, next segment brought to you in part by the North Coast Labor Federation. Let's go back to New Jersey, rejoin Pete Almini. Pete is the executive director of the Heat and Frost Insulators, LMCT, the Labor Management Trust. And uh, Pete is very, very passionate on uh, the issue of mechanical insulation and getting together the federal mechanical insulation act now we do have legislation on the books but we got to trick it up a few notches we do have bipartisan support and pete it's my understanding we're getting more people to sign on can you uh, can you fill us in where do where do we stand on this legislation right now the uh, mechanical insulation act right now is a bill uh right now it's the number is hr four six six three and Congress is uh, out of session right now. They have been for the good part of August, and they'll be reconvening in the second week in September. But what we've been doing as the, uh, as the Congress people and their staff are home, uh, we've been hitting the phones, and uh, we've had many, uh, many Zoom conversations, and we're trying to gather uh, co-sponsors, uh, which we are, um, Officially, they're not a co-sponsor until they get back into into session in September. But uh, we have a lot of verbal commitments, and we're we're trying to be as pragmatic and as and as forthcoming as possible. And we're trying to match up for for every Democrat that we have signing on to the bill. We want to be able to match it up with the Republican. And, and the concept is called a, a Nova's Arc approach. Uh, it's something that's very, I feel it, it, it's very, very smart, um, working literally both sides of the aisle. And, uh, and one thing I realized, and it's just the, it's just the, the, the practice of, of legislation, is that when I'm talking to a Republican, they want to see the other co-signers, and if it's all Democrat. They get a little intimidated or whatever opinion they may have on it, they may steer away from it. But if they see if they see bipartisan support, they're a lot more open to be able to uh, to sign on on that. So we've been working on, on getting the bipartisan support on uh, co-signers. Uh, Congressman Weber, uh, Republican from Texas, has been absolutely wonderful with us. And, and he's trying to gather support on, uh, with other Republicans on, uh, on various committees. And Linda Sanchez is doing the same thing. Uh, she's from California. 
gathering support on the Democrat side, as well as our lobbying team, state federal strategies. Uh, it's really a team effort, and I'm, I'm very proud of what we're able to do. And, and hopefully we're going to have uh, success in the House on that. And at the same time, we're working with um, various senators. We do have a lead senator that wants to uh, sponsor the uh, Senate version of the Federal Mechanical Insulation Act. Uh, I, will, I would love to be able to mention the name, but we're um, uh, right now he's doing his due diligence. Uh, he's excited with him. In fact, just yesterday, I had a conversation with the senator. Um, his, his staff has gotten the information. We, we, we had a, a conversation yesterday in meeting with them. And uh, uh, right now they're doing their due diligence. And hopefully uh, this time next month um, I can be able to offer, offer the name. And hopefully we have a, uh, a senator sponsor that wants to uh, introduce the, the Senate version of, of this bill, uh, the Federal Mechanical Insulation Act which ties into what our initiative was that I was just talking about before, uh, which is going to be the evaluation of mechanical systems that's going to be, that's, if this law passes, if this bill passes and becomes law, it's going to require that the mechanical insulation is to be included with the energy audit for federal buildings, which there are over 350,000 buildings around this country, that each one of them, every four years has to have an energy audit. And now the mechanical insulation will be included in that language because as of right now, an energy audit that is required from the Department of Energy does a wonderful job evaluating the building and evaluating its energy use, but it does not include the mechanical insulation, which is an oversight on, on their part and hopefully the passage of this bill is going to rectify that. And all the, 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 the Congress people that we have spoken to and the senators from both sides of the aisle all seem to agree that this mechanical insulation should be included in an energy audit of a building. Boy, you mentioned the number of buildings, over 350,000. And yes. Pete, you yes. know as well as I, these are pretty large buildings. I mean, really large buildings. We're talking like federal buildings with social security, IRS. Uh, the military is probably involved in this, but there's a lot of money that can be saved. And I, I tell you, you and I have talked about this, you know, nothing is easy in Washington. It's a, it's a, a very slow and cumbersome process you would think that maybe a little more common sense would be applied to this when you're insulating. I mean, any homeowner knows when he or she insulates their home, gets better windows, puts insulation in the walls, you save money. <laughs> this is mechanical insulation. It goes a step further. But uh, but again, it's not easy to accomplish, but you got to fight for it and fight for it day in and day out. But you seem to be pretty confident you think last question here you think we can wrap this up by the end of the year what's your gut telling you pete that's our goal that's our goal is to get it at least to get it passed in the house by the end of the year and okay. uh uh we feel confident um that that's going to happen we're getting a tremendous amount of excitement from the 
um, from the political connections that we're making and from the congressional offices, you know, they too want to have success and they want to be able to, to demonstrate to their constituents that they're doing something. And what you said about saving money, you're 100% correct. And I could take it up, take it up a notch. All of these federal buildings are built and maintained by taxpayers' money. This is mm-hmm. our money that's being used to fund these buildings and maintain them and to be able to spend the money on their energy usage. And the U.S. government is the largest consumer of uh, energy of any company, any government in the entire world. The U.S. government, this is the number one target of energy consumer is the U.S. government, and that's what we're going after. There you go. All right, here's a website to go to. It's mechanicalinsulatorslmct.com. Let me repeat that again, mechanicalinsulatorslmct.com. And uh, if you are a building owner, and this is the discussion we had in the first segment here, you definitely want to go to that website and learn more about the LMCT energy audit that they are offering. So do check that out. So important. We're talking about saving money here. And with the Federal Mechanical Insulation Act, that's our money, as Pete pointed out. Pete, you take care. Uh, enjoy the upcoming Labor Day holiday. We'll talk to you in September. Okay, brother? Okay. Uh, you too, Flash. Thank you, and happy Labor Day, everybody. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to go to the state of West Virginia. Mark Glyptus, president of USW Local 2911, back in a few. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with Lyuna. Find out what it takes for Lyuna to keep America running at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at boydwatterson.com. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency, always connecting people with employment, trying to find the best jobs for you as possible. ULAgency.org. Let's go to Weirton, West Virginia right now. Joining us on our live line is Mark Galiptus. He is the president of Steelworkers Local 2911. 
well over uh, 900 employees, 855 all members of 2911. Mark's been president for 31 years. Mark, I think of Weirton and Steel. Boy, I tell you, that's an old company. Steel has gone through a lot of changes over the year. How's everything going at, uh, at Weirton and Steel right now, Mark? Well, we sure have been through a lot of changes. Uh, currently, we're going some very, through some very difficult times. Uh, we're, we're a temp uh, finishing facility currently. We used to be a totally integrated steel mill. Uh, at this point in time, our, our primary product that we make is templates. And much of the template has been imported this past year. It's been unbelievable. About 90% of our business has been imported uh, there's about eight countries that are dumping their, their template into our market and taking their business away. So it's been a it's been a diff, very difficult period of time. Mark, how long has this been going on? Well, we were doing our mill was running very well about a year and a half ago. The last year, uh, imports came in at such an alarming rate, unbelievable. My my, I have 50 years total in the mill. 31 as a president, and I've never seen anything like this. Uh, if you stand on Main Street, West Virginia, you'll see truckloads of foreign trucks uh, driving up and down Main Street, essentially taking our business away because that's going to our customers. And uh, as a result of the imports, 300 of our employees are laid off. And what we did to counter this, we filed a trade case with the International Trade Commission uh, back in January, and we got a preliminary result uh, uh, in that case, and the, the ITC imposed tariffs on a preliminary basis against China, uh, Germany, and Canada, which were three of the major offenders of imports. Uh, so that's going to that's a preliminary ruling. The final ruling will not be until uh, January 24. Uh, and then uh, at that point, we hope that the tariffs that's been imposed would, will actually increase from their preliminary findings, and that should help us uh, get back to a, a fair set of circumstances in which to compete. We're one of the top 10 producers uh, actually in the world, and uh, we could compete about against anyone on a worldwide basis if we're getting a, a, given a fair chance to compete. Exactly. That's what our hope is, is the government does their job. Mark, to your point, you know, everybody talks about free trade, but we have to have fair trade. It's it's just not fair when, when uh, countries like China just dump their products on the United States. And you mentioned, you know, the number of people at 2911. How many people actually were laid off when they started doing this, Mark? Uh, 300. One-third uh, uh, of our workforce uh, – laid off uh and they've been uh they've been off of about uh, four or five months now and uh that's a significant amount of people uh laid off and it's done it's exclusively due to imports the business the demand for template has not shrunk currently it's the same it's just that most of the product is being brought in by eight countries at a, such a cheap price that the customers saying, geez, I can't pass this up. I mean, what normally, they may get, be getting the discount of $800 a ton on uh, on a, a ton of template, 
which is an astronomical amount, and these customers are, are buying that product, even though our product is a high-quality tin product. And uh, so we, uh, we we have to combat that and get our government to enforce the existing trailers of our country to be by American. And we could compete. I mean, we could compete against anybody in the world under a fair set of circumstances. We can't give these guys a 99-yard head start and run the 100-yard dash. We're not going to win that. that <laughs> no. We're not going to no. win that race. It's absolutely insane. America should not allow this to occur. Yeah, that's a very good analogy there. Well, I'm just wondering here. I, I know your union, the steelworkers, have welcomed what the Commerce Department decided on this to issue the new tariffs on, we're talking, dump tin and chromium-coated steel products from China and the other countries that you mentioned there. Germany is the other one. But are the tariffs, the, the, from what you're, what we're gathering right now, the, the percentage of tariff, will that be enough to bring back those 300-plus workers then, in your opinion? Well, here's what I, I, I believe. To get them back, we need the tariffs, obviously. This has been the preliminary ruling by the ITC, the International Trade Commission. The final ruling is in the first quarter of 24, except for China. It's going to be December of 23. We believe the tariff would increase on the final final determination of the tariffs. If it does increase, I think it will get our, our laid-off employees back to work. I believe it will happen. And uh, so that's what the hope is. And, uh, you know, all preliminary indications are that the, the ITC is working very hard uh, to, to gather the information. They're going to be coming to Wharton. And usually there's 15, 18 individuals from, from the ITC that will, will come. They're going to spend the day in Wharton, go through the facility, meet with the, the company and the union, and gather more information. And as they gather more information, I, think, I believe you'll see the tariff uh, percentages increase. On the preliminary, I think their, their data was a little lagging. So as they gather more data, they're going to see that this is outrageous is what's happening here. And I believe they'll do the right thing. And, and uh, as efficient as we are, you know, we uh, under a, a fair set of circumstances, we could compete against anybody in the world. So I believe uh, the tariffs will increase, and I believe our laid-off employees will get back to work Although I don't believe it's going to happen until probably the first quarter of 24. So we have to take care of those laid-off employees and their families until we get them all back. But I believe every single one of them have a career at work. Well, China never does play by the rules. I'm, I'm not surprised by China, but what I am surprised, the, the dumping the, by Canada and Germany in this whole, I thought Canada was our friend. I, I, don't, I don't get that part of it. I mean, they don't, they're not dumping to the degree that China is, but nonetheless, there's something wrong with this picture. And I'll tell you this, and I feel so bad. I, you know, I come from a steel worker's family. My dad worked at the old U.S. Steel Cuyahoga Works back in the yes. 50s and 60s. And uh, that, that plant is, is gone, long gone. And to see what happened with these countries that don't play by the rules. I mean, part of me wants to have, like, guards at these ports and say, hey, what kind of stuff do you have on your ship? It's not allowed here. I, I know we can't do that kind of thing. We couldn't enforce that kind of thing. But it's unfair. I, I think about the 300 
steelworkers, brothers and sisters that were laid off. I mean, that was devastating for them. Thankfully, they got the steelworkers to back them up during that time. And, and some, you know, reasonable people in Washington that can uh, move the needle forward on this issue. It takes time. It's, there's a lot of frustration. But, Mark, all I could say, I'm glad I'm not in your shoes. But I'll tell you, 2911 is pretty happy to have you, I'm sure, right? Uh, well, I'm happy to represent our members. I'm proud to be part of the steel workers in uh, Canada. You know, I know people don't think Canada is that bad, uh, but they've been horrible in this situation. The Canadians have been pretty bad on importing their product into our markets. Essentially, what these countries are doing, they're exporting their unemployment to us. And these, uh, the governments are subsidizing the tin industry in their countries, and they're using uh, not so much in Canada, but some of these other foreign countries are using child labor, no environmental controls, and it's just so unfair that uh, those laid-off employees have not done anything wrong. They're hardworking employees. We got the, uh, our workforce is excellent. Uh, they want to work. You know, this, uh, this notion that the young people don't want to work. We got quite a few young people, and they are very hardworking individuals, and they want to work. And they do a great job, and we know how to make good template. We're we're probably the best tin producer in the world, amongst the best in the world. And we ought to be building tin mills in this country, not uh, laying off people. You know, if we worked at full capacity, we could only produce about seventy percent of the tin plate needed in this country. There's the only tin mills left are Weirton and and. Uh, 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 one other plant, U.S. Steel has a plant in Ohio Coatings. That's the only tin mills left in this country, okay? And we make food cans and aerosol cans, and the, and we need that, especially, uh, you know, that pandemic magnified the need for tin in this country. So it's uh, it's a, it's a, it's alarming that the government's allowing all this imported uh, product to come into America and take away our jobs and uh they have to do their jobs. The government has mm-hmm. to do the right things. And uh, I think they will in the long run. And uh, unfortunately, these trade cases take such a long period of time that, uh, you know, people get hurt uh, in the meantime while they're investigating. But uh, at the end of the day, I think we're going to prevail. Well, hang in there, brother. you got our full support here right. on America's Workforce. Well, Mark Glyptus, well, President of Steelworkers Local 2911 in uh, Weirton, West Virginia. Keep in touch with us, okay, brother? I will. Thank you very much. I will. And that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Tomorrow, the Government Affairs Director of the AFL-CIO and the Passenger Service Workers at American Airlines. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce Radio Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.